you still winner, that's true. She don't even take L's, eating alphabet soup. Mayday, mayhem, 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 mayday, mayhem. She a cool black nerd, always been smart. And hello, welcome to another episode and streaming of the Mayday Mayhem podcast and stream. I am your host, Mayday Mayhem. And today we have a special guest. Now, I've been knowing him for a few years. He crazy, but he crazy in a good way. It's all good, y'all. It's all good. It's all love. So we're going to be having a conversation today with Mr. Kennedy Scheinberg, but also known as Kennedy Cold Forge. Good morning. Good morning. It is. It is a lovely morning on Sunday with coffee. Mm-hmm. I have cola. Yes, I need well, a little bit more. <laughs> you need a little bit of sugar rush as well as caffeine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So <laughs> early. <laughs> what would you like to babble about today? Okay. Um, now we did speak and touch on this a little while ago, but about the mental illness and Mm -hmm. the shootings that was that's been going on and who would be the best person to talk about this than with you because you do have a mental illness degrees you you do have some mental illness so (laughs) to that time you know know, you do have a little mental illness (laughs) no but no but um you are trained in the field of mental illness and other degrees would you like to tell the viewers um what degrees are you trained in sure better understanding all right um i am a licensed professional clinical counselor that's lcpc i have master's degrees in counseling as well as clinical social work so i'm one of the very rare two that approach things from both a counselor point of view and a social work point of view um doctor at work in disability and equity in education, then a whole bunch of other names regarding fitness and education and stuff like that. Um, I have my own private practice. I've been in practice with myself for to start um, in 2020. I opened up my own private practice just as the pandemic hit. What mm-hmm. a best time to open a business, right? Right. <laughs> I've been counseling for I've been licensed almost for 20 years now, and I've been in the field of social work and counseling for since 1995 is when I forgot my first job. Um, I worked in non-for-profits. The majority of my work is with um, young, young adults, teenagers, and families. I was a supervisor for child abuse investigations with the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services for 10 years. I was a compliance officer with the Department of Transportation. That's a for easy terms, a trucker cop for four years. And then I've worked for agencies such as Maryville Academy, Children's Academy, um, Thresholds Young Adult Program, and Northbrook's Community Service Agencies. And I think that's about it. 
Um, maybe there's been a couple other part-time agents that work for private hospitals and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of contract work. Um, so that's my qualifications. And I was also a professor of clinical psychology with the Adler School of Professional Psychology. Um, I taught clinical diagnosis. So see, the list of accolades go on and on and on. So you're one of the well-qualified people to have this conversation with. I hope so. <laughs> if, if not, I'll make it up and like, you know, <laughs> like, like I'm a TV star. <laughs> you're going to improv. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> when we get to the dance section. Oh, see, you stay talking about that dance section. Y'all, he's talking about having a dance section midway through. I didn't told him like y'all will be okay with him, but y'all ain't going to be okay with me. Y'all going to be like, no, no. <laughs> Put him on, put him on. Y'all tell him take his off. But see, see, we're not gonna embarrass me like that on this good Sunday day. You know, it's the beginning of the week. Okay, all right. <laughs> you can do the dance party and I'll cheer you on, throw some dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all good. <laughs> so you mentioned the shooting um Uvade in mm -hmm. Texas and we were talking a little bit before the show about how there seems to be a, an increase of mass shootings or at least multiple shootings. And it seems like every week there's a new one. Yes. Yeah. It, it was actually one a couple of days ago or was it yesterday where it was a mass shooting or they stopped the shooter. And again, it was an 18 year old allegedly that had an assault rifle and wanted to shoot up allegedly another elementary school. Mm. And it's still being attributed to mental health. But how much of this is a tribute to mental health versus, you know, like these kids able to just buy guns? Well, so I think the terms or the definition of mental health is being or the label is being used to explain anything people don't understand. If it doesn't make sense to society in general, oh, they must be crazy. They must have mm -hmm. some mental health issues because nobody sane would do something like this. And common sense says, yeah, that's true. Sane people don't go around committing mass genocide. They, they don't. Mm -hmm. And the same concept, though, is that mental illness is not the same thing as poor judgment or... Um, reactionary stress or whatever terms you want to label it the difference is mental illness is oftentimes long lifelong it mm -hmm. develops either in you're born with it or you're born with a predisposition or it develops through trauma abuse and neglect or um through chemical development through like the onset your brain just didn't develop right or get rewired or wired correctly and chemicals aren't missing or overwhelming and your brain starts changing mm -hmm. so there could be three three ways mental illness now someone that we often hear about this back in the the 90s and 2000s especially in the 2000s there was a push to address um gun violence in schools especially after columbine if you remember that yeah, yeah i remember columbine and yeah. A lot of it was, well, if they can get counselors in schools and get children counseling and stop the bullying, then it won't happen again. Well, we all know that's not true. And no. even today, you talk to kids, how was your day? Oh, it, 
it's good. And then you, of course, will hear about bullying. That mm -hmm. happens a lot. Yes. So there's counselors in the school. There's full-time counselors. Before it was just a teacher that had an extra block of time and would be an academic advisor. Now there's actual counselors. It's, it's not working. Teachers are teachers. They're taught to teach English and math. They're not mathematicians. They're not linguists. They're, they're teachers. They're taught how to teach this stuff. So giving them a class or two on how to counsel doesn't make them a counselor. And that's exactly what I was going to ask. Like some of the people that are in the position to be counselors at some of these schools are not qualified to be counselors, let alone they can barely even pass a background check. You see so many times that you have high school counselors that have been arrested for misconduct with um, children, uh, other adolescents. And it's like, well, how were they even counselors? How was this ignored? You know, and like you say, it's one or two sessions in front of a room of 30 people and everyone signs off on a piece of paper. Now you have a counseling degree, you know, not taken away from people like yourself and others that are listening that have went to years of schooling and mm -hmm. training for this and to be just, oh, well, I've had two classes. Now I'm a counselor, you know, right. how, how, why are our school systems allowing this? Well, it's, I don't know if it's a school system. I think it's very reactionary in Illinois. Illinois yeah. schools actually are blessed in that to occupy a school counselor position, which is not a school academic position or a school social worker position. Those are actually, you must have a degree in counseling and or a degree in social work. That's a benefit um, for Illinois schools. The problem, and I'll say this flat out, is a lot of those school counselors and social workers are inexperienced. And to understand teenagers, which is, you know, when you're a teenager, you enter puberty 11, 12 years old, you have all these hormones going through your body and mm -hmm. they're intentional. They're meant to increase your, your physical ability to sustain yourself. And with those increased physical abilities, there's a lack of mental cognition and maturity. So, and it's sort of like intensity. Like I tell parents when I work with them and their children, they say, my son or my daughter is acting all crazy and she's depressed or he's angry um, or they got ADHD. I'm like, no, what they're doing is learning how to fight off the world and children are biologically programmed to do this and they have to practice. And who do you practice on? You practice on your parents and you practice on them because you have enough faith that they're not going to strike back at you and do harm because they know you're practicing. Like you ever watch lions, little cubs, they, they attack the parents and the parents are like, whatever, just go do your thing. But they, they, they're practicing their hunting skills. The, the children are practicing their ability to fight the world off. And mm -hmm. so they, they sharpen their teeth and claws on their parents. The sad part is our society has said, don't do that. Don't practice. Yes. That. And instead of, creating a process for them to regulate themselves, they're just forced to keep it quiet under the hood. Yeah. You ever put a pot and put the top on and let it boil? What happens? It's going to boil. It's it's going to pop. It's going to explode. Yep. There you are. And that's what, and, and people seem to have this idea that mental illness for teenagers is, 
oh, the girls are depressed and they're crying and the boys are angry. So the boys aren't depressed. The problem is mental illness, such as depression, presents itself differently based on gender and age. Yes. Um, and that's a situational depression. Or it mm -hmm. could be lifelong depression. We don't mm -hmm. know. Or it could be chemical depression. Mm -hmm. We don't know. And so that's the issue there. It takes people who are actually experienced in counseling. I, I honestly believe that school counselors, school social workers, they are not the ones that should be providing those actual therapeutic interventions. They should be the ones that are at best doing some simple assessments saying, hey, teacher says so-and-so is always angry or these kids got in a fight. They say, okay, why did you fight? Oh, he stole my pencil. Okay, that does not sound like it's a mental health issue. Why are you no. fighting? I don't want to talk to you. You don't want to talk to me? I just want to ask why you fight. I don't care. I don't want to talk. That's someone who you should be worried about. That's okay. the person they should say, we're going to refer you to this counselor who knows how to talk with people. Right. Right. I've had lots of teenagers walk into my office and sit down on the couch and they literally said, I don't want to talk to you. I'm like, okay, you don't have to talk. We'll sit here for an hour staring at each other. <laughs> That's that. If you remember back as a teenager, that uncomfortable silence, you, oh my God, they'll fucking talk about anything just to get out of that silence. Yes, because, well, that's even adults, you know, that awkward silence, you know, no one wants to be in the space and no one's saying anything, you know, someone's going to break that ice and say something, even if it's two strangers, you know, it's just that awkwardness that if someone has to break it, someone has to say something. And nine times, I think, yeah, it's the key is like, okay, look, let me talk to get my ass out of here real quick, like. Just to pass the time, and before they know it, they've let out all their little feelings. Yep. And it's really helpful when we look at the world and we see all these shootings. We have to say, why Why is there so much anger that we need to do something like this? Exactly. Where's the anger coming from? Like, I don't know if it's society taking away certain privileges that parents had to embrace more with their children or society's actually raising the kids versus the parents raising the kids because it's always well other children my age are doing this i don't care what other children your age are doing i'm here to protect you because those children are in some dangerous activities you know mm -hmm. so I don't see that nestling of everyone looking out for each other's children's anymore. You know what I'm saying? I, um, so there, I, I love the internet for some of the things it brings out mm -hmm. in my age. Um, there's these things like our, our fun was outside. You knew where everybody was because the bike yep. parked in the yard and you knew it was time to come home when the light street lights went on. Yep. So nowadays everybody has a cell phone and, trackers and there's no sense of individual individual or independence and that is a constant stress think about it this way one of the increases a lot of people are having the pandemic has sort of given the adults that weren't raised with this cell phone technology going on a, a glimpse of what it's like to be raised where you have no escape you went to work, you came home, 
Home was your solace, your solitude, your fortress um, of safety. Kids go to school. They don't have that. Mom and dad can reach them at school. They come home. School can reach them. We as adults, we go to work. We come home. Work can reach us. The cell phones or we, worse yet, we have offices in our homes. Yeah. And during the pandemic, lots of people thought, I'm going to set my office up at the kitchen table and do my office work at the kitchen table. And they soon realized that they never felt like they had left work. They were always at work. And they were getting depressed. Who wants to live working 24 hours a day? And if you don't have a point where you can feel alone, time away, safe, you're going to become angry, frustrated, frightened, and overwhelmed. And like that pot of boiling water, if there's no way to let it off, it's going to pop. And young adults don't have nearly as much experience as to how to decompress as adults. No, 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 they don't. And that's what it's coming down to is when I counsel people and they, they come, they're like, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm angry. I ask them three simple questions. And the first one is what their favorite color is and why. Second one, what is their favorite food and why? The third one, which is the most important one, what are your hobbies? Most people that are mentally okay can answer the first two with no problem. The third one is like, I don't have any hobbies. Why don't you have hobbies? I don't have time. How can you not have time to be happy? Because that's what hobbies do is make you happy. Mm -hmm. You've chosen to do something else instead of making yourself happy. And when we choose, make those choices, we are internally recognizing we're choosing to be angry and upset, sad and frustrated. And it makes us anxious. That makes sense. And so as soon as I tell clients, go back to doing the hobbies you used to do or develop new hobbies, suddenly their levels of stress and anxiety and anger, frustration and sadness start decreasing substantially. So is maybe some of the behavior we're seeing in the, these younger shooters, is it because they don't have hobbies or the hobbies are so restricted to just the internet you know like again you touched on like growing up yeah i knew when them street lights came on i had to be in front of that house or coming in that house it wasn't um oh i can stay out to 10 11 o'clock because i have my phone with me no it's like no that street light come on at seven you better be on that porch at 659. it's so Exercise or physical activity is shown to have an equal effect on depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, as medication. Equal. Mm-hmm. There's lots of research that shows that. Done by Harvard Medical Schools, done by fitness associations. So if you do a good exercise plan, and I don't mean like lifting weights and whatever, just physical activities, you'll have the equal effect as if you're taking antidepressant or anti-anxiety. That, mm-hmm. That's a a, mo- a medically proven fact. So now you have internet. Um, how much exercise are you getting with these? <laughs> not much. None. <laughs> That's not even 1% of your body muscles. That's carpal tunnel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's about all you get. And so that's the problem. If you wanted to read something, you didn't pick up your phone and open it up and scroll. You walked to the library and got a book. Yep. Walk 
to the library. Yeah. If you wanted to hang out with your friends, you didn't dial them up and do FaceTime. You walked to see him, or you rode a bike, or you you moved your body from one spot to another. Yep. Facts. The only moving your body from one spot to another is when you're going to shoot someone. Yeah. So yeah. that's the problem. The, the idea is that hobbies, hobbies are not video games. No. At the best, they're mind-numbing. And that's what I tell my clients. If you say your hobby is video games, you don't have a hobby. Because all you're doing is sitting there, turning into a giant potato, burning your brain, exercising your thumbs. I'm sure in 100 years when aliens come to take over their world from us, they're going to find humans with four fingers and these gigantic thumbs. <laughs> Big ass thumb, because yeah. <laughs> like, that's all they're gonna have, or they're gonna find them with microchips in their head from Elon Musk because now <laughs> they want to put everything into a microchip and shove in the head and say, I have the, the internet and it the brink of the eye. Which, yeah, the way Tesla's is malfunctioning, I don't want nothing that Elon make near me, so <laughs> I'm just saying. Or, or we won't travel. We'll just Amazon ourselves somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> going to ship myself to Rome. Like what? Like it's, we'll have the ambience of Rome in the house. So however right. it's going to be, but yeah. And if, you, if you reflect on your own adolescence, mm -hmm. you learn to solve your interactions. If you had a dispute with a person, you learn how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. In our new age, I'm not going to deal with you block. Yeah. Or I'm not going to deal with you. I'm going to pick up a gun. Yeah. And and I've seen so many times that these people have lost their lives over social media, over people you probably would have never even met if it wasn't for social media mm -hmm. because Y'all don't even live near each other. You don't even go to the same school. You don't even have the same friends. And now a exchange of words, someone has lost their life or two people have lost their lives. Like it's, it doesn't make sense to me. And if you think about the, the language we've developed to describe things, social mm -hmm. media, media, you always look forward to the media cart coming into your classroom. You always look forward to media because that implied information. That implied something new mm -hmm. or at least relaxation. Mm -hmm. Now, social media, neither is it social nor is it providing you information. If anything, it is providing you corruption, lies, or disinformation. Mm -hmm. And it's allowing people to confuse opinion with fact. And those two don't mean the same thing. No. And people say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to fight the problems. I'm going to fight racism. I'm going to fight socialism. I'm going to fight oppression. I'm going to fight marginalization. And then they type something on, on the computer and hit send. You haven't done nothing. No. The only people that will read whatever you post are people who want to read what you want to post. Yeah. In a newspaper, uh, anyone if you publish in a newspaper, whether you want to read it or not, people want what's in the newspaper. And newspapers used to pride themselves on being objective. Now, yes, they're 
they're the as bad as social media. Yes. And it, that's like a sad thing. It's like there is nothing that's really objective anymore. And then you don't know, again, that anxiety of who or what to trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it builds back up that anxiety of you don't know what's real or what's not or who's telling to co the complete truth. You know, you know, something has happened just like in you, Vlad. You know, something happened, but no one tells the complete truth. You know what I'm saying? When it first came out, remember the headlines. Um, we spoke briefly about this, but the headlines first hit that um, a police officer was shot in the head trying to stop the shooter from getting in. And then later we find out, oh, the teacher propped open the door and the door was propped open. Then we later find out the school officer was not even there. And he drove past him in the park. It's the stories keep changing. So again, you have the media, which are telling us conflicting stories, and we don't know what to believe. Well, not only is it the media, but we, the people who are supposed to be trustworthy, mm -hmm. are giving us the wrong information. Absolutely. And whether that's because they didn't know themselves and they're making it up as they go, mm -hmm. like you know, I am. I'm making this up. Or, <laughs> or it's. They're frightened of telling the truth because in our society, people who are honest about what they're feeling and what they believe are instantly attacked. Yes. We have to present an image that is what is considered socially acceptable. And that, again, when we were younger, we didn't have to present a socially acceptable image. We, no. we had the opportunity to be who we were. And if it turned out bad for us, it was because we fucked ourselves up. We yeah. we made the wrong decision. Here is, yeah. you don't get to learn about being individual. If you do something wrong, there are 10,000 people online that are going to let you know you did it wrong. And then you never are forgiven for that. You are not yeah. allowed to grow and become different. There are people in the news, like they posted something 10 or 20, like the baseball player, he's 25. Um, had the best game in his life and the media are asking him why he posted this homophobic statement when he was 15. He's 15. His brain was still developing. Let's well, be real. He, he, he didn't even know himself at 15. He, exactly. And he can't forget it. He's not allowed to forget it. And, and if people, if, if we go by the assumption that he's the way he was when he's 15 is the way he is at 25, then that says people can't change and people can't change. Why do we have shit like counselors and therapists? Why do we have any belief that people that go to jail are going to get better when they get out of jail? We already know that ain't true. We know if we send someone to jail, they come out a better criminal than they do when they, they, they don't come out reformed. So if we don't believe people can change and why the hell are we even bothering to try to change them? Why not just fucking execute them? Let's fucking, that's just really the thinking. If yeah. we're going to punish somebody for their childhood statements when they didn't weren't mature and didn't understand, then that's what was going on in the 70s and 80s when they were imprisoning teenagers with for murders that we found out they didn't commit. They were a convenient um pop pansy for Ponzi. They, or Patsy, that's the word I was looking Patsy. for. Patsy. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I know it's Ponzi, Pansy, the Patsy. There we go. <laughs> and 
a lot of times they're pinning it on minorities. And so, yes. and they talk about this pendulum of social justice that swings back and forth. I don't think it's swinging by nature. I think it's being pushed mm -hmm. and it's being pushed by people who are the loudest right now. The, the idiom of the squeaky wheel gets the, the oil. Mm -hmm. I think we've sort of said, you know what, the loudness, we don't want to hear it anymore. So just push it that way. We don't want to hear the complaint. But the problem is the complaint, the, the sound that they're making is not always the source of the problem. You go to a doctor, my elbow hurts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why is it hurting? What is causing the hurt? Mm -hmm. Oh, I fell when I was skiing. Okay. We'll be more careful when you're skiing. Oh, I have tendinitis. Oh, I have a mineral deficiency. Oh, there's something else. The complaint is not always the source of the problem, but we're not willing to look at that. We're just willing. Okay. All right. Here's your pill. You won't feel pain anymore. Go be happy again. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work. It doesn't work no. with people in general. No. Hey, my life sucks. Here, here's a pill. Yeah. Uh, how's it going to make it less sucky? It won't, but it's going to make you not care. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that, that's the scary part. I have a, a teenage client who shot herself. And the reason she shot herself wasn't because she wanted to die. She doesn't want to die. But she was having what they call intrusive thoughts. Mm. And the intrusive thoughts were horrible. They were intrusive thoughts about killing people she cared about. Mm. And she's like, I didn't know if I would do them or not. And they're so frightening. I'd rather be dead so I don't hurt the people I care about. Oh. That, that's a scary thing. And nobody was helping her. And oh, she was telling them that there were things that were bothering her. And... Nobody did that. And we're not talking like a poor little kid in the, in the ghetto. We're talking no. a well-to-do family. And they're like, oh, you know what? You're just going through teenage angst. What, no. the, what the fuck, teenage angst? No. Like, if you're having thoughts like that, it's something definitely wrong. And you need to be paying attention to your child's mentality and make sure that they're okay. Like, whoa, whoa. You, you having what? Oh, no. Let's 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 get you taken care of and make sure to get these thoughts what's the root what's causing you to have this like what's really going on so we can stop this and you can again grow from it yes because again you're you're regretting you're going to regret that when you're 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years old you know but you'll know why at mm -hmm. least you'll know why you were feeling that way. You know what I'm saying? And you did grow from that. So you don't have those feelings anymore. Exactly. And I, the key here is growth. We've mm -hmm. already found out sending people to jail doesn't make them change. No. It doesn't. No. Well, if you think of it in this simple concept, punishing people doesn't change them. No. So today... Punishment comes from social media, no different than society putting someone in jail. If punishment by putting them in jail doesn't make them any better then punishing them by putting them in Facebook prison for a week or everybody posting how horrible of a person they are on Twitter or tweeting or whatever or Twitch, look, Twitch and that's not going to work either. We already know it didn't work over here. Why would we think this would work? It is called educating 
and understanding. Educate them on what really is appropriate and understand why they chose to do the, what they did. They may have chose because they didn't know. If I asked you, how do you speak Japanese? Do you know how to speak Japanese, Mabel? No. Okay, so if you pretend to speak Japanese, that's the best you can get. Some people would say that's racist. But hey, if you're being expected to speak Japanese and you don't know how, you're going to try to do because if you don't, you're wrong. Well, yeah, because you've already because you've already said, you know, right, okay. So, the idea here is that if a person is trying to meet social expectations but they have no experience or no knowledge, they're going to do what they only know. What's socially ex expected, you know, what everyone else is doing. Well, they're going to do what they know. So, right. if you, if the way you handle stress is by getting violent, you're going to get violent. If you handle stress by isolating your room, you're going to isolate your room. If you handle stress by overeating, you're going to overeat. If you handle stress by not eating, you're not going to eat. Mm -hmm. You're going to create a mechanism that makes you think you're doing what is expected of you. It may not be what is what is expected of you or it may not be the right re resolution, but mm -hmm. it's only, you can only do what you know. And instead of people saying, well, that's not the best way to do it, here's the way. And tell me why you chose to do the way you, you chose. It may be, well, I didn't know. Or, you know what? When I get angry and I yell at people, people leave me alone. And that's what I want is to be left alone. Okay. Well, we need to find a new way for you to let people know not to leave you alone. Or maybe give you the ability to retreat from them, which is, you know, the biggest problem. No one can retreat from anyone else. You can't, exactly. you can't get that break because school's at home, home's at school. School's at work, work's at school, home's at work, work's at home. The only place you don't have it is if you leave your cell phone at home and go out to the forest. Yeah. All right. You have to have that break away just for your own, literally your own sanity. Mm -hmm. And how many times, I bet you, if you think about it, you walked out the door and you get three feet from the car and you're like, oh shit, I forgot my cell phone. And you get anxious and you run back in to get it. Yeah. Why? The world is not going to explode if you don't have your cell phone. And before cell phones. There were. It was pages and pay phones. That was it. Right. I mean, you, if you didn't get a call, it was okay. They yeah. Call back. And yeah. last time I checked, people still do that. I still yeah. get lots of callbacks from people because I don't answer my phone. Yeah. So it's, it's the same. I don't answer my phone. I'm like, oh, crap. Uh, my bad. I was doing the dishes. I was cleaning, you know, and I do have those times where I do take my phone and I will throw it in a corner somewhere and be like, I don't want to hear it. If someone needs to get in contact with me, they know how to call that house phone. If it's an emergency, y'all know how to get in touch with me there. And I will leave my phone for hours on end and just do something else. Mm hmm. And just roam through the house or, like I said, go do my yard work or just go do something else. I don't need the phone on me 24-7. Yeah. So my advice for people that are dealing with the stress in the world is disconnect from that stress. Shut off your computers. Shut off your cell phone. Get off of that. Don't play video games. Do something. Engage in a hobby. 
-hmm. And people say, I don't know what to do. Well, what did you like to do when you were a little kid? What did you like to do as a teenager? It may not be the same thing. You may not say, oh, yeah, you know, I used to love playing with my G.I. Joe and my Barbie. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. I'm 45 years old. Okay. Well, it sounded like maybe you enjoyed acting or Mm -hmm. narrating or Mm -hmm. something of that sort. Do something along that lines. Maybe you want to go see a play. Maybe you want to work on becoming a narrator. Maybe you want to write stories. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you want to do dioramas. Um, The thing here is find a hobby and do it. If you're not sure, you try it. The worst is, I didn't like this. Okay, stop. Do something else. I I, I ask clients all the time. People complain change is hard. All right, I, I don't want you to change. What I want you to do is stop what's not working. If you're walking in the street and a car is coming and I said, stop, are you going to slide and skid and stumble and and not be able to come to a stop? Or are you just going to stop walking? You're just gonna <laughs> walking, right? You might just stop. Like uh- That's easy. Stopping is the easy part. It's changing, which is taking a step in a new direction that's a little hard. So get to the stopping part first. Stop playing the video games. Stop being online 24-7. Once you're able to master that, which shouldn't be too hard because it's just the word stop, it's four fucking letters, then you can look around and say, okay, what do I want to do that's different that I would like to try? Mm -hmm. Pick up a book, draw something. I I suggest artistic expression all the time. I'm an artist. I was going to get to that. I was was going to get to that. Like, you do art. And, And that I do art. I do art all the time. I mm-hmm. do it between client sessions because it helps me decompress from the clients, the things they tell me. Mm-hmm. And I do it every morning. It helps keep my muscles and coordination going. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can't sleep. I'll get up and do art then. I uh, have. Yeah. So that is one of, one of the things I enjoy doing. I go for walks, even if it's just around the block. Mm-hmm. I go for walks. I, I used to like going out to events, but now, you know, I still... Don't trust the COVID stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm staying a little, a little. I'm, I'm being very selective on the events. Events. If there's a lot of unknown people, eh, not so much. Absolutely. But I understand that. The key here is that when I'm stressed or feeling overwhelmed, I go do something. And a couple of times, I, I, if I go for a walk, I leave the phone behind. Unless I'm going to take pictures of flowers along the way, I leave mm-hmm. that behind because there's nothing. I'm going to be gone 15, 20, 30 minutes. Whatever's happening, if they need to get a hold of me, 15 or 30 minutes is not going to be a changer. It's not. Someone gets in a car accident, doctors are required, life-saving. Oh, the person's going to die. We'll give life-saving. We don't need consent for that. So they don't need my consent for that stuff. There's nothing else in the world that's going to happen that needs – I don't have any magic button to stop World War III. Absolutely. I don't need my phone for that 15 to 30 minutes at the very mm-hmm. most. I go to sleep. I don't wake up in the middle of the night answering the fucking text messages or Facebook mm-hmm. posts or whatever else comes up. So if I can do that stuff, then that tells me I don't need that other thing. Absolutely. And I think that's a big piece. I that I've read a, a bunch of news articles and I hate to quote these news articles because we don't know what is actually the facts of right. the UVA shootings. Yes. But there's reports that 
he tried to get his sister to buy a gun. I heard those reports. She said no. Mm -hmm. He was living with his grandmother. Mm -hmm. And that makes a number one red flag right there. Why is this kid living with grandma, not with mom and dad? Where are mom and dad? Were they killed in an accident? No. Or did they just not want to take care of him? Mm -hmm. What's the circumstances where he's not with his biological parents? And that, any child that's being raised by um, extended family, you have to question why. What is right. it tradition? Is it true? And that in some cultures, it's tradition where the parents are out making money and the grandparents raise yeah. the children. That, yeah. And that's all they have to say. This is the family. But, you know, uh, it's a question. What's going on? And, you know, for some kids, even though their parents are out making the money, they still need some parental content. They still need to know their mother or their father or both. And notice I said, or, and say, they have to be both. They need some of those mm-hmm. parental interactions on a basis, on a consistent basis. And not mm-hmm. like every single day, but on a consistent basis. Absolutely. And we forget those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, there's, uh, there's certain, like people of color, they're used to single parent homes. Mm-hmm. That, that was, I think, a remnant of social, um, what's the word, engineering from slavery when they intentionally broke up families. Mm-hmm. I think that just intergenerationally just came along. It's not appropriate, but it has become a staple of that that concept. Well, well, not only that, well, you have the government that has also helped infiltrate that because when they have public housing, yes. you know, men were not allowed to stay in the same household as their wife and children because they felt that, oh, well, no, this place is just for women and children. So the father was taken from the household. Mm-hmm. where they would literally go in the social workers would literally go in closets and look to see what's in men clothing the mothers were not allowed to have uh televisions if they had new clothes it was literally to the fact that they violated the families to the point where it was separated so yeah. it was it was used to well i'll go have babies here and here because I can't be there because it'll mess up the thing for the mom and the children. Mm-hmm. And it became like almost again, socially acceptable. Correct. It, it, and I think it moved from socially acceptable to social expectation. Exactly. Like you're not supposed to have no, if I'm raising these kids, why can't the father stay in the household and raise the children with me? Why not? Like, these are his kids too. Like I didn't get them by myself. Like, what exactly. do you mean? Yeah. And and that's that's like when you look at values that have been corrupted, I'm gonna use it a family value that's been corrupted with the expectation mm-hmm. that people are going to function normal or beneficial for society in general, that it's not gonna work that way. No, you, you can't have a car that says put in um, high octane, low lead gas supreme and put in the cheap gas regular and expect your car to perform well. It's not because it wasn't made for that. Exactly. Not only was it not made, but it, it's it fucks up the system. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is that we're we have these strange expectations and systems for people and. I, I hate making it a racial thing because it isn't, 
it may have started at one point and then it's just been expected. It switched from acceptable to expectation. And people are like, okay, well, it's okay. That's what they do. What do you mean that's what they do? What the, what, what the fuck is that shit? Well, mm-hmm. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And people are unwilling to challenge that that idea. Well, you know what? They're making a lot of noise. We better just give them something to quiet them down. Oh, okay. So like we're talking, um, I don't want, yeah, I do. I, I do and I don't. Like right now there's a fear that courts are going to repeal Roe versus Wade, which mm-hmm. is beyond frightening. Beyond frightening for women, but beyond frightening for society in general, saying that a country that's founded in a separation of church and state is now letting church create a doctrine. For, for state, yeah. For someone to say, well, you know, I'm not religious, but I believe in, in life. Yeah, okay, I accept that. But it's not just you that believes in life outside of church. It's all these other 10 church people are saying, you have to believe in life. Okay, so we're supposed to be majority rules. Well, that's what's happening is you have the majority of the 10 people speaking out on this, whereas it shouldn't have the authority to do that because it's a religious-based um, doctrine. Right. And if it That's changing the nature. It's not just women losing their rights to control their body, but it's saying that religious doctrine is going to become our guiding principle. And mm. we went to war in Afghanistan because we had the Al-Qaeda with their religious doctrine oppressing that country. Mm -hmm. And that's been a lot of problems when religious doctrine clashes with political, one or the other. Vietnam was a political ideology and was horrible for us. And then now we're like, okay, we're going to switch off and we're going to go to political ideology. And that's no better. Well, they had the Crusades that were political idea or were religious ideology. They yeah. didn't work too well either. No. And so it's wonderful that somebody leaked it. The problem is our response to that leaking is to argue about the wrong thing. We should be we shouldn't be arguing about who did what, what religious. We should say, you know what? A separation of church and state is the founding of this country. It, they should not have that right to alter the founding of our country just because their religion makes them think it should be a certain way. Mm-hmm. But we're not arguing that. We're arguing about a person's right to govern their body. And the government has already said, irregardless whether it's religion or legal rights, Political, we have the authority to physically make you do something physically. We will yeah. physically put you in fucking prison. We will physically give you a vaccination. We will physically yeah. make you do whatever. We will physically take your property. We will hold a gun to your head if you don't do what we say. It yeah. doesn't matter whether it's politically or religious doctrine. But the problem is, at least political was supposedly serving the majority of the politics body. Our religion serves itself. It promotes yeah. itself. It doesn't yeah. promote speech. It doesn't promote ideal idea ideologies, or it doesn't promote discussion or or discourse. 
It promotes mm -hmm. silence and obedience. Yeah, because religion is, no, you believe what's in this box and nothing outside of this box. And if you believe anything outside this box, you are ostracized. You are kicked out of this church. Do not come back for maybe asking a question or believing something differently. It, and so, that's, that's the best case scenario, kicked out side of the church. But we already know that's not true. People get set on fire in public town squares. Yeah, People get lined up and shot to death because mm -hmm. they have a different religion. Mm -hmm. They get put in boxes and gassed. Mm -hmm. So we already know if we allow our country to move to a religious doctrine, we already know what's going to happen. Yeah, you can look at uh, the past. Look at history. It's going to tell you the predecessor to the future. If you, We're still on the same path to where, yeah, religion is starting to overrule. You know, it used to be, what was this... Um, well, they said the Lord's Prayer in school. Mm. You know, that was taken out long years ago because, uh, what, it was an atheist and he didn't want his daughter saying the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. So they separated state from religion. Well, that, that was the premise of the Constitution is that religion was not going to be, we can't be, the United States can't be the beacon for all those seeking asylum if suddenly we are now one religious entity because that's what they were escaping from mm -hmm. so now we've become what we escaped what we said we didn't want now we're slowly becoming what we hated yeah and that dichotomous contradiction is that even a correct term dichotomous contradiction i, I don't, don't know i don't know so <laughs> that inherent contradiction of becoming what you hated reminds me of um a psychological condition where you identify with your torturer or your prisoner or the like stockhouse syndrome bingo you you learn you become what you learn mm -hmm. we learn that religion power is achieved through religion so therefore we will engage in religious power absolutely so, mental illness will then that's a sign of the devil yeah, because it's uh, they're possessed. You know, yeah. no sane person would do this, and now you're going to no have a crusade. If they had God, they wouldn't do this. Right, we're going to put Lord in this, and prayer changes. And I understand some people' belief system, but if we have all these people that are praying at the same time, why are we enduring everything that we're going through? Unless people are not praying, or these are. Just, of course, charlatans, like prayer changes. And then again, you're going to have that in doctrine where, oh, well, you're not praying hard enough. So again, this is the devil. Oh, we're going to cast you out. It's been so many cases where parents have believed that their children were possessed by demons and literally tortured their children to death because the child literally had autism. Or the child literally had a, a hearing issue or literally could not see. So, or they were gay. Yeah, or they were gay. You know, oh, that's the devil. You're gay. It's the devil. No, it's just the way that person identifies. That doesn't make them any less of a human. You know, why, why do that? Mm -hmm. And again, you will start to see that more because even again with the pro life, pro choice. 
Oh, how can you be for abortion? Well, how can it has sales? It's a lot. But yet still, again, what you do with your body, that's your body. I ain't got nothing to do with that. I'm worried about this right her. You know, hey, I'm out well, that game. I can't have no more kids. So I ain't got to worry about that. It, but, it reminds me of a speech given during the height of the anti-mask in the pandemic by a woman using religion as her groundings for not needing to wear a mask. And her statements was, if God wanted me a mask to wear a mask, he would have given me one at birth. And she was wearing glasses. So why didn't you glasses at birth then? Religion is used to justify miracles. Um, mental illness is a failure to have a miracle. Mental illness is a weakness. A mental illness is the person's inability to solve their own problems. A mental illness is not having the right supports, which is probably mm -hmm. the only truth to it. Yeah, support. Because a lot, of, like you see in these um, mass shootings, like again, and you've let, allegedly, what I've heard and read, allegedly, his parents were having issues with him, and that's why he went to stay with grandma and grandpa. Mm. So, again, I what's going on in the family dynamic that y'all couldn't solve this together to figure out what's going on, but you ship him off to be dealt with with grandma and grandpa, which, again, they're older. They're trying to do their own thing, and now they're having to raise a 18 year old and now he shot up a school. Well, not th that. And the question is if you can't handle your own child, why would you, why would you send somebody else? And I, well, I'm a firm believer in that. Like if I can't handle you, I'm not sending you to my mama. Like I know if you can't handle your own child, what mistakes were in the child rearing process at the start? And second is what other help or supports did you get into place? Saying, hey, grandma, you did a good job with me. Well, obviously, they didn't because you didn't do a too good job raising your own kid. But that, can you fix my, my kid? Well, first is it's not fixing. It's not fixing. Like what's it's it's more of a family thing. What can we do as a whole mm -hmm. to make this situation better? Okay. Like what what can we do? Like what someone's bothering you at school? Well. You know, violence is not the problem, not the solution to this. Well, let's try to talk to a counselor. Let's even try to get you homeschool. Let's okay. try to do uh, certain other tactics to try to make you feel safe, you know, but not to ship them off. You, I believe in exerting to the last drop, like to the last drop, like I have nothing else left, you know, just exert until it's give my all just for the kids to make sure that they're mentally okay i'm old enough i can deal with my own shit. i can deal with it i've been around the block i can deal with it but y'all again are not mentally stable and that's what i believe a parent is supposed to be help you be mentally stable for when you do get into these grown-up situations you kind of have some paralysis on how to handle it you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. because mom taught me this dad taught me this aunt taught me this uncle taught me this you know things have been taught and pushed down to help 
again, grow. Because they want to make mistakes. They're kids. Right. And the key here is when you talk about talk, remember how I said earlier, educating somebody in the right way. Sometimes the right way for us may not be the right way for the other person. But the key here right. is the education part. And then the question is, well, okay, this is the way we want it done. Why did you choose to do it the other way? Was it you didn't know? Now you know. Or was there something else? Um, support systems. We kind of jumped off that real quick. Yeah. Support sure. systems are are super important in the fact that uh, their support can be someone lending you the ear. Yes. Or support can be those who will stand by your side. Mm-hmm. Or support can be the contract that they give you your ability to achieve. Um, support is not someone who screams and shouts beside you about topics that are similar but not yours. They're, they're not paying attention. What they're doing is it, they're just screaming and shouting because you're screaming and shouting. They're it's mimicking. Like going to a protest and everybody hates Trump, but they don't all hate him. Just because they all hate Trump doesn't mean that they like each other. <laughs> the two are completely unrelated. Yeah. I hate this person. Well, I hate that person. Good. Well, let's hate them together. Hey, you want to go get coffee? Oh, fuck that coffee shit. I'm an alcoholic. Exactly. <laughs> they have nothing in common other than that hate. Right. This one individual, but no real common ground other than that. Now, if you take that hate from that individual way, what common ground do all y'all have? Exactly. So there's no support. And the support should be, you should be able to feel safe when you're expressing yourself. And when mm-hmm. I say safe, safe is such, it used to be a, a simple defined word. Now it's now a it's, very broad term. Safe yeah. is, do you feel you're not going to be punished for what you say or feel? Exactly. Safe is, if the person reacts, are they going to react in a way that you don't feel belittled, judged, or victimized? Exactly. Safe is if you express yourself, is society not going to punish you? And we know punishment doesn't work other than make you less happy. Or are they going to shun you? Yes. You know. So safe is just that word has just become so, I don't want to say grandiose, but it's like gigantic. Its meaning has like evolved into such a way that it's almost infected and negative because you hear people well they got to be safe well what safe are we talking about right like which <laughs> safe are we talking like hey, hey like we're talking about safe or are we talking about safe like which mm-hmm. safe is this like <laughs> i i was um had a a couple and i was counseling them and the wife all right so the guy was an ex-football player huge big guy and his wife is a tiny little person. And he had never physically harmed her in any way, shape, or form. He is quite the opposite. He was like a giant teddy bear. It's quite an amazing Aww. thing. And <laughs> so they would talk. And every once in a while, she's like, I'm not feeling safe. And he would lose it. He went, what the fuck? I haven't done anything wrong. I don't hurt people. And he was just so enraged because he goes out of his way to avoid intimidating people. And so I had to explain to him, safe by her use, isn't safe that you are going to harm her. No. Imagine safe in the concept if someone's frightened of spiders and you killed all the spiders in the world, does that change their fear of spiders? No. 
That is what was going on. She was anxious about something that it didn't matter if he changed it or not. It would still be there. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I didn't think of that. I'm like, that's when she says, when she says she doesn't feel safe. It's not you that's not making her feel safe. It's this thing that is undefined that no matter what, you can't really change. It's the emotion. Well, it's her fear was that they wouldn't have money because she came from a family where money was a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter how much money he had and he had a lot of money. It was the fear of not having it. Right. That so, that safety net of having to go back to where she came from and she didn't want to go back there. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's what the, the, the problem was helping her recognize to basically we call grounding was mm-hmm. recognize that she could look in her bank account and see that there was money. She could see her bills and see that they would never exceed the amount of money she had access to. Mm-hmm. And that would reduce her anxiety. Not her husband doing extra work. That didn't. If anything, that added to her anxiety because he wasn't there to be, be her calming stone. And she's thinking, oh, he's working so hard because we need money. He's working so hard because we need money. He must be running. We must be running out. So now again, hey, says Trish. Exactly. So now- uh, now your the anxiety has went up, you know. So yeah. again, yes, absolutely. And and that's the way it is. Mental illness may evolve from things that we don't understand, mm-hmm. or it may be something as simple as a chemical imbalance, or mm-hmm. worse, trauma. And we've learned to deal with that trauma in a way that doesn't. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is what we call maladaptive. When you're mm-hmm. a kid. You engage in adaptive behaviors because they get you your needs met. They create exactly. a sense of safety or belonging or connection. But as an adult, those behaviors don't work anymore. No. And so it becomes maladaptive. And that's the problem. In adolescence, we try to find what works for us. But if we haven't the enough experience or the right amount of supports, what works for us is often very harmful to ourselves and everyone else around us. And the shootings that, that are a good example. How do we deal with stress? We want to say, well, teenagers are like, they're being desensitized mm-hmm. and non-exercised. Mm-hmm. All I do is sit at home and numb myself playing video games. And hell, we're watching war. Literally. They were raised in a generation where war came into their house. I mean, Vietnam. I remember growing up watching Vietnam on TV. And mm-hmm. we get so used to this level of violence coming into our home, our place that's supposed to be our safe haven. Yeah. We have, we have no escape. And no. people who are even younger now have zero way to escape. Zero. Yeah. You have your fucking cell phone, you have your iPad, you have your laptop. You take it everywhere, not because you want it, but because you're frightened of not having access to it. Or you're frightened of missing something and you're you're not going to miss anything. It's going to be there when you get back. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not going nowhere. Like, it's not. So that contributes to a whole level of unhealthiness for Mm -hmm. everyone. Yeah. Adults also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this has become, and the pandemic was a way to help adults. Uh, Yeah, it was a good help for adults to understand what their children are going through, that compulsion of experience and the lack of having a haven to escape. 
Mm -hmm. And yeah, hopefully at some point, somebody in the, in our world, the government or agencies will say, wait a second. The issue is that there's too much involvement. We got to step back. We got to disconnect. We got to shut down. We got to create avenues where there is less bias. And I use the word less bias is in like media, like we talked earlier, how media used to be sort of objective. Now it's yeah. very much subjective. Mm -hmm. um, there has to be a little bit more of that. And social media probably needs to be rebranded as to social compliance or social pressure. Yeah, yeah, because everyone's pressure, like you see on TikTok, and everyone's doing the same trend. Everyone's, oh, I can do it. I can. It's like everyone's like almost peer pressure. Mm -hmm. Everyone is pressured to do the same thing instead of being themselves. You know, that's what makes us all different is being yeah. ourselves. I remember in, um, I want to say it was in the eighties. It might have been in nineties. They talked about um, contagion, suicide contagion, where if you had one suicide in a high school, they would have it a couple more, especially yeah. in the friends group. That was in the nineties, because I can remember that. That was in the nineties. Yeah, and that is an important thing, because that has expanded through the internet. So you have your in-person social group at school. And then you have this internet social group and that internet social group could be all around the world. So you have idiots, Tide Pod idiots, the biggest example. Yeah, we're going to do this together. Imagine when you were, you were teenagers, you're like, hey, yeah, we're all going to shotgun this beer. Oh, we're all going to shotgun this Tide Pod. And then they go online and do it. And then suddenly it went from a group of five idiots to five million idiots because they all want to join in. Like the Twitch, I want to join in. Uh, like the Instagram or the the photo one, Snapchat, where you do all those crazy dances and stuff like that. And people are just like, I want to join in. I yeah, and harm. they want to be a part of it. Like, um, I think me and you spoke about this a while ago, um, like around when the pandemic first started, how we were seeing, you know, women more revealing men more revealing and you didn't see it before and this is not the younger group we were talking about the older group you know so it's like it's not only branching out from the children but it's branching out to the adults too mm -hmm. and again you know if the kids are doing it oh i'm not too old i can do that too you know and it's instead of like stay in your lane let that let little kids be little kids and like again have their faults make their mistakes and grow from them versus you have people that are well mature doing things that adolescents are doing and you see the adolescents doing this and they're like oh well they can do it we can do it too and it's it's like a vicious circle mm -hmm. again like with uh the shooting in buffalo um new york the guy, the uh, shooter was on Twitch, live streaming in front of people again, and people were in compliance. They were in agreeance to what he was doing. It's like a good 15 people. And allegedly, one of the people were uh, was an ex-FBI agent. Wow. Yeah. I read a uh, lot about that, but no. yeah. 
the idea that live streaming, it's like a, a live video game. Yeah. And people are uh, from around the whole world that are watching you do this in real time. And it's like almost an adrenaline rush for them also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're 15 minutes of fame. Right. They're seeing someone else do what they want to do or what corruption they may have. That's mm-hmm. even with the, the positive things, you know, you get that positive feeling of endorphins when you see someone doing things that you like to do that's in a positive manner and it makes you want to do it. You yeah. know, again, with that mirror image. Mm-hmm. That I want a piece of the glory too. I yeah, want more like, than a participation award. I want the trophy. I want the trophy and I want to wipe out all contenders. Like, wait a minute. It's it's enough room for everyone. Calm, calm down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Yeah. So it's 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 insane, to say the least, of how now society is, and especially with mental illness and a real support system. Because you have some of these kids, they feel bullied and picked on in school. And some parents bully and pick on the children. So they don't have friends. So where's their support system? Where's their safety? Where's their, where's safe, their place? safe place? Where's their safety? You know, they can't, they're not safe at home. They're not safe at school. They're not even safe walking home or walking to school. So where's their safety? Well, and that really is promotes anxiety and mm-hmm. Increase anxiety, depression, depression, mm-hmm. or cause um, behaviors like people who are constantly anxious that they're not going to be good enough. So they'll mm-hmm. engage in self-harming behaviors such mm-hmm. as eating disorders mm-hmm. or physical harm or mm-hmm. um, mania, which is pulling the hair out mm-hmm. or cutting on themselves. Yes. And so our society's situation, the lack of being able to escape is promoting the development of mental illness, promoting maladaptive behaviors, is promoting the sense of doing something to stick out and be recognized. And a teenager, when they have an emotional state, it is the end all, the be all. Oh, they broke my heart. My life is over. I might as well die. Oh, this is the one person I met. I'm totally in love. Oh, I'm at the top of the world. This is the best. I will never have better. Well, if you think this is your best 15 minutes of your life, why not die afterwards? Yeah. And, and that's really what teenagers, that that's their thinking processes is like, and social media, I hate, I really hate that. Right. Social persecution promotes it. And it's almost to the fact that society has been desensitized so the only way for them to feel something is to feel some type of pain. It mm-hmm. almost is like I, I'm feeling something. I'm feeling pain. So I know I'm alive, you know, it, and, and it shouldn't have to go to that term. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It shouldn't have to be that. Absolutely. And it's interesting you mentioned that. I went to the Chicago Museum Torture Museum mm-hmm. this past week, and the majority of tortures were very sexual based. Mm-hmm. And. I was talking to one of my friends there and it's like, well, probably the idea is that sex was one of the things everybody could enjoy. So that is where they, the point of pleasure will become the point of pain. pain. Mm-hmm. 
And that whole concept of things that are pleasurable are also the points of our most painful moments. Mm-hmm. So we are getting the endorphins from all these positive experiences on the social platforms. And so that those are the platforms that can cause us the most pain too. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're, you're acceptable to the good endorphins, which will make you again, if you're not getting those good endorphins, what are you going to do? You're going to go for that pain. You're going to go to feel something, Mm -hmm. something, anything Mm -hmm. just to try to build back up that, that endorphins, that happiness, Mm -hmm. so to speak, you know, even if you're harming yourself. Exactly. Mental illness. It's a really hard thing. And like we talked very early on is it can be born with, it can be induced through trauma, abuse, and neglect, or it could just be a chemical change that happens um, in your growing and development. Mm -hmm. If any of your audience ever needs counseling, I I don't take insurance because I'm not going to deal with Blue Cross Blue Shield at all or any other insurance agencies because they're, they're, they're scam artists. I ain't gonna lie. I don't, I'm not going to call them scam artists. They are abusive and traumatic in of themselves. There we go. So I have, a sli- I have a sliding scale and a sliding scale. The client determines what they can afford based on what they know they can't afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it falls within my sliding scale range, I offer services and I only do telehealth. So you don't have to drive to my office or whatnot. And it's mm-hmm. video or voice, whichever the person feels comfortable. So they can always reach out to me um, or Google me, Kennedy Schoenberg Counseling, and mm-hmm. boom, no. And then message me and we'll set something up. Yeah, absolutely. He's a phenomenal counselor, psychologist. Y'all really need to look him up. Um, as y'all can see, he, he will go into depth. <laughs> he thinks outside the box and he'll relate to you, you know. I, I tried. I, what what's the best way so i have some clients that have been to other therapists and they'll complain you know the therapist this or therapist that and i often say to the clients you know maybe the therapist didn't know and they're trying to get to understand your uniqueness in order Mm -hmm. to provide the services because there are so different types of therapeutic interventions and not all of them work for the same person Mm -hmm. if you have a person that their their mental illness is being impacted by social or cultural constructs as opposed to chemical constructs or trauma or abuse, then we, we need to understand what that, that those constructs are in order to address them. I mean, if you're a person who suffers or is, um, recognizes microaggressions right off the bat, then you don't need to worry about talking about chemical dependency or, or the abuse of a child. You need to talk about how to deal with those microaggressions in a way that makes you capable of feeling like you have some power and not just subject to people constantly making you feel out of place. Mm-hmm. So that's like the therapist. Sometimes they need to understand that. And they also therapist needs to be open-minded and what's the word? Not that they're not judgmental because the, uh, the concept of being a therapist is we're judging what's going on, mm-hmm. but not judging in a way that makes you feel bad for expressing yourself. Exactly. Well, again, that's safe. Safe. That's safe. We see how we see we go back. Improv. We go right back to safe. Safety. 
maybe um, we should develop, ask your your um, audience a new way to define or a new word that encompasses the word safe without having all these different definitions. Well, that's something you can ask the audience. Yeah. Go ahead and ask them. <laughs> come up with a new word because the word safe has too many fucking definitions. Let's come up with something that says, hey, I feel okay from everything else. I need that spot. Sanctuary, something more than sanctuary. Superman right. Fortress of Solitude. Your happy place. Yes, the happy place. The happy what place. Is your happy place. What is your happy place other than safe? What is your happy place? Yeah, mine would be an island. An yeah. Island with a steak grilling. See, now you got me hungry. And <laughs> see, see, why you got to do this? <laughs> <laughs> On steak and eggs and all that good stuff, gravy, mm, potatoes. Mm. Oh, my God. You got me hungry over here. <laughs> yeah. That's what I need. I, yes. That, when I start talking about food, it means I'm hungry. Yeah, that when you start talking about food and I'm agreeing, that means I'm hungry too. So, so both of us can get something to eat. Yeah, I think that will be my plan. I will make myself some eggs as soon as we're done. Yeah, well, we're about to be done right now. Right. So, so you again, you have to decompress yourself. And again, the way you decompress is through your art. Yes, for so, me, my my space my happy place is when i'm doing some art it lets my brain kind of shut down and i'll work on art and i'll realize two or three hours have gone by and i'm like oh mm -hmm. and i feel totally fine mm -hmm. um it should be when you're stressed or anxious or sad finding something that makes you physically move around mm -hmm. um, whether it's going for a walk drawing dancing playing a board game, um, taking pictures of flowers, bird watching, hiking, surfing, swimming, whatever. The physical movements help remind you of who you are, that you exist, that you can feel something other than sad. Mm -hmm. And that activity, the calisthenics, increases your endorphins, which are the same as um dopamine and serotonin which are the things yeah. that make you feel happy yes so. like my happy place is when again i like to sew mm. so you know i like to do my sewing and i might run on the treadmill a little while because there's too many dogs out here where i'm at they be trying to get me they be like oh dark meat i'm like oh stay back <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't told you puppy I didn't told you. I'm not a turkey. Leave me alone. Right. I am not a turkey. And they be like, hmm, you look like a leg. Hey, yo, come get this dog, man. Like, so I'll get on the treadmill and maybe listen to some music and then go and start sewing, start making some stuff. But that's what I do. That's that's my hobby when I get in that mind space. And what's your favorite color? Uh, Blue. Why? Because it's serenity. It's, it's like peaceful. It makes me feel peace. It's just a peaceful color. Okay. I don't know why. <laughs> See, y'all you been analyzing me and shit. We're going to end this one right here. <laughs> he ain't going to put my business out here like, she's a minor psychopath. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> her favorite color is blue because it makes her feel happy and she likes to sew. She's mm. going to sew your mouth shut. Stay oh. away from her. <laughs> Here's some advice that all of your, your audience. So relationships, whether they're intimate, whether they're friends, or whether they're acquaintances or work, mm -hmm. you should know what your love language is. And your love language is how you express love and how you receive it. And so you can Google love language quiz and there okay. are five different categories. And each category has kind of a subheading, but there's physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, and quality time. And you'll have at least one top and then maybe a secondary. And then the other three are kind of really low. Mm -hmm. And they are effective. So let's say your, your, um, your love language is um, words of affirmation. So when you want to show someone that you care about them, you'll say, hey, you did a great job. So if you, your, your spouse or partner, hey, you did a great job. I'm proud of all the work you're doing. Your friend, hey, I'm impressed with your ability of whatever. Your coworker, hey, I really liked how you did that report. You're using it all the same in all three um, types of relations. So you mm. should know. And that way, so if you have a disagreement, if you pay attention to the other person, you can figure out what their love language is. Because I hear this all the time. They don't love me. And I'm like, I love you. I do all this. I buy you stuff because my love language is gifts. You never love me back. You never buy me nothing. But I'm buying you stuff. Well, my love language is quality time. You never spend any time with me. So you have to mm -hmm. translate the two and say, okay, so-and-so's love language is gifts and they just gave me something. That's their way of saying they love me. So, okay, I have to say, all right, hey, I appreciate that. Can you spend some quality time? Because I really find that important. And they'll say, okay, here's your gift and I'm going to sit on the couch and hold your hand. Boom. Oh, you're both getting your meet, your needs met. Yes. So and love it's no languages. Y'all. We got to look up that, y'all. I'm going to look up my love language quiz because I have no damn idea what it is. I don't know what it is. I think the yours is, at, or not ancestors, is gifts. I bet you if you think about it, you always like giving people stuff and you love it when people give you stuff because then it makes you think like they... They, they care. Yeah. yeah. There you are. Yeah. And punching on people is a love language for me. I just like to punch people. Like, well, that, that would fall under touch. Touch. So, yeah. So, I, I guess it would be gifts and touch. Because, mm -hmm. like, people that I like, like, I slap them around. Like, pop, pop, pop. How you doing? You know? And even friends. Like, hey, girl. Pop, 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 pop. How you doing? You know? So, okay. Yep. I, I can see that. But I'm still taking the quiz, y'all. I'm still taking Take the quiz. Because I could be wrong. It's happened. I don't think you're wrong. I think you may be right. <laughs> I think you may be right. But yeah, we're going to do that love quiz, y'all. We're going to see what our love language is and how we can apply that in everyday life. Not only in our personal life, but our friends, our family, our co-workers. And, it'll, and it's a give and take. Well, that's what any relationship, even a friendship, is give and take. Exactly. It's and give and take. If you know your love language and you can identify other people's love language, you can be supportive without feeling like you're intruding. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Because, you know, there's always, I'm trying to be supportive. Dude, you're just bothering the fuck out of me. 
Right. <laughs> you texting me 15 million times is not being supportive, just saying hi. Like that is not supporting me. Like right. you're getting you're irking my nerves. Yeah. <laughs> what you're so, doing right now. If you if you know their love language, then you can engage in their love language and then they'll feel feel supported. Got you. Got you. I'm going to have to learn my love language and irk your nerve. I'm like, let me figure out what this is. Punch him in the neck. Bow! Buddy. I love you. Let me hit you a couple more times. Let me hit you a couple times. Uh, 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 love you. Have a great day. Mm. You know, like, she didn't have to give me a two-piece combo just to say hi. That's her love language. It's okay. Like, I want to be the most hated person around her. Then. She will not touch me. Then they found out that's a love language too. I hate you. Oh damn. That's one of her languages. Hate too. So you know. This has been an awesome interview. And I want to thank you again for coming out and sharing the information. So I'm pretty sure this will be beneficial to a lot of people. And again, where can um the community or anyone find you for counseling? Or any other sessions that they may want to have to speak with you because I'm pretty sure that you'll be able to help them out. Okay, it's counseling Kennedy Shunberg. You can Google that or you can email me at counselingks2020 at gmail. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I don't have any fancy website. I'm not that technologically smart. Don't worry, me neither. But <laughs> you Google Kennedy Shunberg or Kennedy Cold Forge, and you'll see pictures of me posing with muscles and art. And yes. then you can just connect from there. He does a lot of posting with muscles and art a, a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he got the guns. He got the guns, y'all. <laughs> I, I ain't got the guns. I got the flap. But he got the guns, y'all. See, see you trying to get that dance party going. I see what you are. <laughs> see, see, see. He about, he, he about to start, y'all. We're going to have to stop. Let him get something to eat. Get yeah, his you don't get a Facebook ban. I, look, I have been banned so many times on Facebook. <laughs> Again, oh, how long is this band? Like, it, it wouldn't be shocking. So, it wouldn't be my first time. So, All right, well, Mabel, is appreciate your time, and I enjoyed talking with you. Don't be a stranger, just strange. I'm always strange. That's it's like that's, my middle name. That's why I like you. <laughs> thank you again, Kennedy, and I want to thank all the viewers for listening in today. And again, we're going to end this stream the way I end all my streams. If no one told you they love you, I do. I truly, truly do. And make sure you do better today than you did yesterday and strive for a better tomorrow today. And we'll see y'all next time for another Mayday Mayhem stream and podcast. Say bye, Kennedy. Bye-bye, Kennedy. <laughs>